Hey, I'm Blair Johnson, and you're listening to the Rock Student Ministry Podcast. For more information, you can visit www.fbcrockhill.org. Now a word from our high school and college pastor. Well, hey, it's Chris. It's great to be back with you on Proverbs 9-9 Podcast Ministry. If you remember, we started a series uh, a couple weeks ago called Journey to the Cross. Uh, we were talking about how Christ came with the mission when he stepped down out of the, the throne room and entered the cradle on the way to Calvary. And in episode one and two, we looked at Luke 22 and Luke 23. And in this episode three, we're going to be looking at the final part of that. But I gave you points to ponder in each of those. So if you missed those previous two episodes, feel free to go back, catch up on that, see the points to ponder. But I'm going to give you those same kind of points to ponder in this message as well. In number one, it says, why do people do the same thing but see different results? Second point, is there hope at the end of the rope? And then three, why do we have reservation in our preservation? In Mark 16 in the New Living Translation, it says, now go and tell his disciples, including Peter. In the New King James Version, it says, but go tell his disciples and Peter. And so this episode is entitled, And Peter. We know the story, don't we? There were two disciples uh, out of the 12, Judas and Peter. They were nothing alike, but somewhat alike, meaning they both failed Christ in the darkest hour. For Judas, it was the sin of betrayal. In Matthew 26, it records this in verse 14, when it says that Judas went to the chief priest and says, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him, meaning Christ, to you? From that point on, he was looking for a chance, a window of opportunity to hand Jesus over to those religious leaders. Continuing on, the 12 disciples, they, they, they sit down with Jesus to remember and take part of the Passover in the upper room. And during this time, as they were eating, Jesus says this to the 12, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. See, Jesus, Jesus knew everything, and he knew what would take place shortly. And as the disciples were thinking about the weight of that moment and what he had just said, they began to ask, Lord, is it I? It was like this doubt was creeping into their mind. Jesus answers and says, he who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. Now, if you know the story, you can't help but to think that Judas was sitting there thinking, wait a minute, that was me. Because just a few short verses later, Jesus, Judas says, Rabbi, is it I? Judas, what a terrible friend and a follower of Christ. But Peter, Peter was the strong-willed, quick-witted, probably non-filtered disciple. We hear his name often and read of the many good things he did, but was he any different than Judas that night? Jesus begins to speak of his departure that is near, and Peter speaks up because he's the passionate one and says, Lord, where are you going? Jesus responds to Peter by telling him that where he is going, Peter or the others will not be able to follow. Peter responds with passion and says, Lord, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answers and says, will you lay down your life for my sake? And then we hear this phrase again. Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Scripture records in Luke 22 and 23 that during the trial, the beating on the way to the crucifixion, that Peter does just what Jesus predicts. He denies Christ. So here we have two men, two disciples that have done basically the same thing. They have both failed Jesus in his darkest hour. For Judas, it was a betrayal of Christ. And for Peter, it was a denial of Christ. For Judas, the road after was dark and lonely and desperate, his sin so overwhelming. 
and his outcome so very tragic. We know this because we read in Matthew 27, verse 3, where Judas goes back in and tries to give the money back to the religious leaders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Then he threw the pieces down. He found himself out to a field where he hung himself. What a dramatic, tragic end to a thought-out plan. But Peter, on the other hand, finds himself interjected back in the story in Mark 16. When the angel of the Lord appeared and told Mary and Mary, mother of James, to go and tell the disciples that he is risen. But not just the disciples, rather the disciples and Peter. In John 21, verse 15, which are some of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, we see Jesus yelling out to a boat on the Sea of Galilee, telling the fishermen to let down their nets. Immediately, Peter knew from when Jesus called him into the ministry who this was. He rips off his clothes, he jumps in the water, he makes a beeline for the shore, and what a moment as they sit and have breakfast together. And Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Peter responds and says, Lord, you know that I love you. And so Jesus gives him three commands, feed my sheep, tend my lambs. Such a different response to what's going on with Peter versus what happened with Judas. So the first point with the ponder, why do people do the same thing for here, betrayal, denial, kind of rejecting Jesus in his darkest hour, but they see different results. R.C. Sproul says this, that Jesus didn't simply hope that Peter will be able to resist Satan or that he will return or that he will be able to strengthen the brothers. He expresses certainty that Peter will do these things. There was no doubt in Jesus' mind not only that Peter would fall and fall abysmally, but also that Peter would be restored. See, Peter repents, and we see this restoration take place. We also said that a point to ponder today would be there is hope at the end of the rope. When we look at Judas in a literal sense, this was not true. But when we look at Peter in a spiritual context, we see hope and so much more. As we said before, Peter didn't escape Jesus and what he knew he would do and did and had done. Think about this. Jesus noticed Peter's failure before it happened. Mark records Jesus' prediction of this denial. Two, Jesus saw Peter's failure when it happened. Luke records that when Jesus was enduring the mock trial, and then he saw Peter in the courtyard denying him. And then finally, Jesus noticed Peter's failure after it happened. We see this in Mark when it says, and Peter. I mean, perhaps he was still running from the situation and, not was, with, and was not with the others, and that's why the angel says, and go tell the disciples and Peter. See, it's the sinner's heart. Kyle Eidemann, a, a great Christian author and pastor, says this in a book, Not a Fan. He talks about DTRing, defining the relationship. In the first few chapters, he asks some very pointed questions that help us determine if we are fans of Jesus or if we are followers of Jesus. Because there's, there's a huge difference between those two. First thing he asks is, have you made a decision for Jesus or have you committed to him? The two words there he's using are decision or committed. Two, he says, do you just know about Jesus or do you really know him? Three, is Jesus one of many gods or is he your one and only God? And, and he gives some follow-up questions to help us determine what the answer to that is. He says, for what do you sacrifice your money? He says, when you're hurt, where do you go for comfort? What disappoints or frustrates you the most? What is it that really gets you excited? The fourth question he asks, are you more focused on the outside than the inside? In other words, are you more worried about what you're doing 
than who you are. Some questions that we can ask to kind of help answer that. Do we prefer rules over relationships? Do we look at laws more than we look at love? Are we more worried about guilt over grace? And then finally, he asked, are you, self, are you a self-empowered fan or a spirit-filled follower? See, all of these things were different answers when it came to Judas and Peter. For Peter, we read that he had had that DTR moment. He could have answered all these questions above in truth, and we would have seen that in, the, in that moment of heat. When squeezed, he reacted the wrong way. However, the end result for him was much different because of who he was and what he was at that moment. So, is there hope at the end of the rope? There is if you and I are followers of Christ and not just fans. Max Lucado is one of those authors that I can sit and read his books, even though I'm not a fan of reading. In chapter 8 of In the Grips of Grace, he talks about this topic, credit when credit is not due. He uses an illustration that many of you, if you're my age or older, uh, would recognize and be familiar with. He talks about credit card machines, not the kind today where you swipe your card or you insert it, but the old style that I remember watching my parents use and even used a couple times myself where you put the credit card on the machine, you put a piece of paper over it, and then it has this piece on the top that you take back and forth. And if you remember like I do, when it would go back and forth, it would say rack, rack. So in Max Lucado's book, he talks about credit and using that machine. And he said, it's not long before we're able to pile up a whole lot of debt. 30 days later, the bill comes in and, and we realize, oh man, we're, we're out of control. But then a lifetime is enough to rack up some major debt in heaven as well, isn't it? I mean, think about it in the illustration that he uses. You, you yell at your kids or you yell at a friend, rack, rack. You covet a friend's car, rack, rack. You envy your neighbor's success, rack, rack. You break a promise, oh, rack, rack. You lose control of your actions or your temper or your tongue, rack, 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 rack. We're just racking up the debt. And initially, just like with that credit card debt, we, we try to repay what we owe, don't we? I mean, every time we pray, we read the Bible, do something good for someone, encourage someone else, these are all payments to that debt. I mean, if we can do one good for each bad, then shouldn't it balance out? Maybe, or in theory, but there's a problem with that kind of ideology. One, we don't know what each sin costs. Two, we don't always know when the occasion of our sin occurs. I mean, we know the big ones, but what about the things that we think are okay, but God says, uh-uh, that one doesn't work for me. So how do we deal with the debt that you and I owe God? Well, there's a couple ways Max Lucado talks about in his book. He said, we can try to deny it, but my conscience or your conscience won't let us do that. We find worse sins in other people, meaning that we know that other people have done things worse than us, so we try to get that to cancel out some of our debt. But see, God won't fall for that. We claim lineage immunity, meaning if you just knew how good of a Christian my grandmother is or my dad or my brother or my sister, but see, family pride won't help. We try to pay it off, but then that circles back around to the original problem. One, we don't know what it cost, and two, we don't even know how much we owe. So what do you and I do? Paul says this in Romans 3, 24 through 25. All need to be made right with God by his grace, which is a free gift. 
They need to be made free from the sin through Jesus Christ. God gave him as a way to forgive sin through faith in the blood of Jesus. So why do we have reservation in our preservation? It's because we believe we can't do enough to make up for the way he sees us or the things we have done. When he says it's not up to us to earn it, but it is up to him to give it. So I want you to think about that today and as we go into this Easter series, as we look at this journey from the cradle to the cross. That journey was intentional with a mission in mind, and that mission in mind was to restore us back to the Father. And so this season of Easter and this season of, of seeing the death and the crucifixion, but the resurrection of Christ gives us hope. And so maybe you've never put your life, you've never put your trust, you've never put your faith into Christ. Can I invite you to do that this season? Maybe right there as this podcast ends, you would ask Jesus to forgive you of the sins of your heart and to come and make him Lord of your life. I can promise you this. It will make the biggest difference, not just in your life, but in your eternal life. Until next time, I hope you have an amazing, amazing Easter. See you next time on Proverbs 9-9.